This is a Namche to Lukla podcast, presented to you by Jody and Helmut Farello. Hi, uh, welcome to Namche to Lukla podcast. This is our very first podcast ever. I'm Hal. And I'm Jody. Why do we want to do podcasts? Well, it provides us with a platform to further discuss our articles uh, and give you guys a bit more of in-depth discussion to why we wrote what we did. It also allows us to highlight certain topics of interest. So our first topic that we're going to be talking about is crazy people that were right in the end, just like in our article with the mad scientist. The first person we'll be talking about is Ignis Simowies. He was a Hungarian physician who worked in a hospital in the 1840s. He introduced the idea of following sanitary methods such as washing your hands, which seems like everyday practice now, just about every couple of hours. Yeah. So what was funny was that doctors back then weren't aware that bacteria spread through lack of sanitation. So they actually were very offended by uh, Ignis that he was suggesting that they didn't know what he was doing. And so nowadays, if you apply that to modern day medicine, you people would think of you as crazy for not washing your hands. But yet 160 years ago, people thought you were crazy for washing your hands. <laughs> William Shakespeare was also another person who was not uh, appreciated for his work, and I guess a bit crazy during that time. Uh, a lot of his plays were thought to be old-fashioned, and they were actually changed around in the 1600s to suit the taste back then. But then his original plays were actually worshipped by the 1900s. So it just goes to show that something somebody does uh, sometimes doesn't get appreciated in the sphere of now. Perhaps people just weren't ready to receive what William Shakespeare had to offer at that time, along with everybody else we've discussed, and those who are seen as crazy. That's so true. I mean, there's so many examples nowadays of uh, that you can use. And like one of my favorite ones is, you know, back in the 1400s or so, people thought that the earth was flat. And if you sailed over the ocean, you would fall down uh, into the abyss and when people tried to explain to them that the world was round, they thought of you as crazy. <laughs> Sounds a bit silly now, doesn't it? It does. Our next topic is about money, greed and lack of abundance. So, one of the people that we want to talk about is somebody called Elizabeth Maggie, who was the real inventor of Monopoly. Do you know who Elizabeth is? No, I don't know who she is. Yeah, no one's really heard of her. And that's because uh, unemployed sales healer actually took her idea, which was originally called Landlord's Game, and basically renamed all the streets and the name of the, uh, um, of the game itself, and then published it as Monopoly. And all she got for all her effort was $500. Meanwhile, he became a multimillionaire. Overnight. So this is a really good example of how people are so greedy that they're willing to take somebody else's idea so that they can become rich themselves. Yeah. The next example we have to talk about is a 63-year-old homeless woman, Carol. 
So with Carol, what happened to her was that um, she had a bad fall and she suffered dementia. And then those two things are not very good for anybody. But what was even worse was that she was homeless. So when the hospital found out after three days of treating her that she didn't have any insurance, and this was America, so they basically put her in a taxi and then told the taxi driver to uh, basically dump her outside of Skid Row, which is a really dangerous area. She was left without any of her things, as the hospital admitted later that they actually lost all of her clothes and left her on the streets in only a hospital gown and a diaper. That's crazy. And that's a really good example of actually where uh, people like who are doctors and nurses, they can see this is happening. And all they do is they just follow procedure and they just think about their next paycheck or they're locked into a mortgage and they they can't they can't um, kind of like go against their bosses or their CEOs or authority. And it's actually having a very detrimental effect on society. Yeah, the unethical approach to business has gotten quite out of hand. Yeah, and this is happening in hospitals. So it's just unimaginable that you would do these things to people. And, you know, we're not uh, living in the 1400s or, you know, in the medieval era anymore. So, you know, we have access to all of these amazing things. But it's only for the people who are privileged, not for everybody. So one of the things that I discussed in the article was about like money, greed, lack of abundance and the rat race and how all of these things really tie in uh, to the time machine is uh, during the film um, the mad scientist ends up going to the 1960s and he discovers that there's a war about to happen and so my thoughts and opinions around it is when you combine all of these different elements together about how humanity is being shaped then it starts to put uh, a clear idea about what's really happening where people are slowly starting to put material and themselves over uh, hurting somebody else. This is quite evident. Uh, it, you just have to flick on the news and just see how people are basically just a number now. A famous Chinese artist, Ai Weiwei, he um, had an exhibition in London and what he wanted to do was he wanted to demonstrate how when you just have a number for the amount of casualties involved in something, uh, became very de- you became very desensitized to that idea. So what he did was that he went and got all the people's names that were killed during an earthquake. Not related to war, but the example is very similar. And he put all of the people's names and their date of births on the walls around you and you started to immediately connect to all of these people and so what's happening where everyone's just a name you end up just not worrying about it anymore because it's not affecting you in the same way as if you were to hear this person's name or to see the number of people and all of these people how they're all connected so the next topic we're going to discuss is the rat race we all know what that feels like yeah so I've worked for like maybe 13, 14 years in London. So I know like firsthand what the rat race feels like. And 
it's very well described in a video called Rat Race, uh, which is an animation by Steve Cutts. So in this animation, he actually turns people into uh, rats, rodents. And he makes them live the life that we're living at the minute, where we're running around uh, chasing after happiness, where happiness is found in a box or in a can of Coke. Very short-term materialistic things. Exactly. And you just keep going to the next thing. And then in the animation, he goes in and he buys a Porsche. And then he's riding around his Porsche and he feels like he's on top of the world. But then he gets stuck in traffic and he gets a ticket and he gets his wheel stolen. So all of these things are constantly churning against each other. And every time he hits a low, he rushes straight for the next quick fix. Yeah. And then he ends up on pills and alcohol and all of this stuff. And this is very familiar kind of thing that happens to people, especially in big cities nowadays. And the amount of times that we've been, you know, lingering, the two of us, we've been, you know, Jodie's worked in London for about two years <laughs> and she knows what it feels like. What an experience. Yeah. And you're stuck in the tube and it's really hot or really cold. And there's so many people there. And there's been so many times where, you know, you feel like everybody is on edge and people actually are starting to uh, not care about hurting others in the tube. And they care more about turning up to work, you know, that extra 10 minutes early or on time when actually what's more important is to help people and think about each other rather than think about like, oh, I have to get to work at nine o'clock or otherwise my boss is going to shout at me. And this is a really bad way to, it's like a bad template of society and we're all living this really bad template and it's very like, it's very demoralizing sometimes. So, you know, for us to try and find a way out is very vital. One of the major things I noticed um, to do with the rat race while I was living in London was basically how fast-paced everything was going. On the streets, people were always rushing past you, pushing you, and not even noticing that you were there, basically. Pushing you deeper into the train when there was just nowhere to move. And um, on the streets, or even around Christmas time, it was a pleasant stroll looking around uh, the Christmas lights with Hal, and uh, this man pushed past us and said... You're in London, mate. Yeah, and we were just quietly, just like basically looking at the lights. It's, you know, we weren't on a busy street. We were in a very quiet street, but he couldn't wait that extra 10 seconds before there was some room for him to move out. And he pushed past us. And it's just very, very interesting how people think it's okay and justified to kind of like live in such an aggressive way to other people and if the same thing happened to them i think they would probably not enjoy that experience no i feel like people who act like that would retaliate yeah exactly and that's been shown so many times uh, on youtube if you just google it uh, and you'll find all these videos on youtube where people are basically fighting each other for completely nonsense reasons where somebody has stolen somebody else's seat and they're finding each other over a seat it's just like it's ridiculous to think that we've come so far in technology and science and medicine and now we're fighting over a seat on a train that they're probably only going to be on for at least 45 minutes one of my train trips into work while i was in london as well was um very interesting 
a fight kind of started to break out based on um, this one person being really, really cold as the wind was coming into the train through the window behind his head and someone else was very hot. So they had this petty argument, um, barely no talking, barely any talking. It was just putting the window up and down really um, immaturely and not communicating well with each other or treating each other with any respect at all. Yeah, it feels like they're taking all of the aggression that they've got from whatever, wherever they're working and they're just... They're basically using the the public transport system as a way to vent their aggression to how they're being treated in their workplace. And also personal pressures. They've yeah. got a lot going on at home. They've got bills to pay. They're not spending enough time with their family. Yeah. And there's just so much pressure in this fast-paced environment, not just about work or um, the living conditions. There's a, a lot of different factors, I think, that comes into play. Not that that's an excuse, uh, but there's a lot of different issues involved. Yeah. And if you're a believer of evolution, you you will understand that evolution takes hundreds of thousands of years. So for us to go through all of these changes and all of these fast-paced ideas and ways of working, our minds aren't really coped to deal, as well as our bodies, aren't coped to deal with all of this information and all of this stress from all of these different sources. So, you know, there's no wonder that people are being sick a lot more. They're really like, the depression's gone up in people. People are having issues everywhere. So one of the really important things for us is to try and get people out of the rat race and to realize and open their eyes up to what's really happening and how, you know, the important things in life are really the things around you, like the people. Going back to what you said about our brains not being ready for the capacity of strain and stress that we're putting ourselves under at the moment. So the industrialization of our workforces and uh, the way in which we conduct ourselves at work, all sitting at a desk, um, it's very unsocial and very unnatural feeling. Yeah. So... That's only been forced on us in the last 80 or so years. Yeah. Which... And actually, the reason why we have a nine to five workforce kind of template is because uh, they needed um, to be able to manufacture weapons and bullets and stuff like that. And that's why uh, schools have been ma- uh, manufactured in that way is to create people that are compliant to be able to do those things because back in the 1920s and 30s they needed a lot more weapons to be able to go to war with so actually the things that have happened haven't left our society and we haven't moved away from those we've just basically become accustomed to those things even though they're not suited to us yeah we keep building our society around these ideologies that came about not even that long ago and they've really caused so much damage to the mentality of people and our mental health. Yeah. So it's very important for us to really try and expose and highlight these things because it's only then can we really help uh, each other kind of get out of these things if we become mirrors to, for each other. The next topic is escaping silly life. And the reason why I want to discuss this is because in the movie, uh, what happens uh, when the scientist travels 800,000 years into the future is that he discovers this race, Eloy, who basically have no work structure. They just kind of live there and eat and they don't really do anything. 
And so it kind of tries to highlight some of the things that are happening now where people are running away from the rat race and city life. So Jody did some really interesting research on this. So I watched a few episodes of Kevin McLeod's Escape to the Wild. And as he put it, people are abandoning the daily grind and answering the call for the wild. So I thought that was really interesting and relating to the article that Hal wrote. Um, people are seeking this different lifestyle where they're less stressed, there's mm. uh, less responsibility, and they don't have the financial stresses that are causing so many issues in everyday life, especially for those city dwellers that are seeking to move away. Now, what I found really interesting was the locations were quite obscure and often very dangerous places that they would take their families. Yeah. Um, like the base of a volcano in Chile and also um, areas around Cuba that are known for very high crime rates. So Kevin McLeod, he questioned these decisions that the parents were making. And the ultimate question was, did it make the families feel more fulfilled and happier? He also asked about how they sustain themselves and why they decided to move away from their families to raise their children in such difficult circumstances. Often the families had removed themselves from access to technology, electricity, running water, typical modes of transport, and even local grocery stores. Wow, that's crazy. So it really kind of like shows you what's happening to people that they have to go to these extremes to remove themselves from city life. So they were able to escape the challenges of city life, such as financial pressures that they were under. But then they seem to put themselves in a different burden of living off the land and harvesting their own water and stocking up at the grocery stores and somehow hiking at home or riding a horse back up the mountain to get back to their family, building their own homes out of sustainable materials. Uh, but it took a lot of labor and hard work for the families. So the families did seem to work well together and it actually benefited them in the sense that the children were working together and they were bonding a lot more than they ever had the chance to in London while the parents were both working really hard and not spending enough time at home. Yeah, I guess like uh, in a city, uh, your kind of your parents become like are your teachers and your your computer uh, and those things end up becoming your parents because your parents are too busy to even have time to take care of you because everything's so expensive. Yeah, lots of people have nannies and um, different daycare centers and also after school uh, activities to kind of occupy the children while the parents are so busy working trying to pay the bills. Yeah, I for one would rather have much more of a relaxed lifestyle where I'm able to spend time with uh, our children. And I feel like that's much more important because they're the next generation of people. And if you imagine the next generation of people being completely involved in their phones, you're not going to get a very productive set of people who are going to care about doing anything and helping people and society. Another part of the article uh, talks about empathy. And one of the scenes in the time machine is where the scientist sees this girl drowning and all of the other Eloy kids are, are basically just looking around, not knowing what's happening. And she's out there in the river screaming her lungs out, asking for help, and they're just not doing anything. And this is really becoming quite apparent now in our society nowadays. 
where we've made suing each other so easy, but then the laws of helping others so complex. A good example of this is based on 49-year-old Esmond Green, who was waiting in an emergency room for nearly 24 hours until she passed out on the floor and died. She was left there for six hours with a security guard seen checking on her and then just walking away with no concern at all. That's crazy. So the next example we found was around the 9-11 volunteers. So these are people uh, that aren't firefighters, they weren't police officers, and they were just ordinary people who came to help out of the generosity of their hearts uh, to help move and look for bodies or find people who are in need of help. But then what happened is five years after all of this, a lot of the volunteers ended up having respiratory issues. So rather than uh, them getting help, they were actually told uh, by the government that because they're not on their payroll, that they can't help them any further. So then these people are then made to have to try and find different ways uh, to get help. And one of the ladies, Reggie Cervantes, she uh, worked as a voluntary emergency medical worker at Ground Zero. But then she suffered all of these different issues and she ended up having to take a boat to Cuba for medical treatment in Havana because she couldn't afford it. An example that we found uh, about making suing easier is... Rosenberg versus Google case where Rosenberg decided to sue Google for an excess of $100,000 when Google Maps advised her to walk on the highway to get to her destination, causing her to get hit by a car. So this is a really weird case where someone's been allowed to sue for something which to me feels like it's just common sense. Google Maps really is just a computer program Uh, It does its best to try and give users an estimate on directions, but sometimes it gets it wrong and you really have to use your own senses, like your eyes and your ears, to really figure out that if you're on the highway, you're probably going the wrong way. I certainly wouldn't be putting my safety in the hands of a computer and trusting them completely. So all of these different examples that we've talked about uh, really highlight how suing has been made a lot easier so it's very easy for people to uh, inflict fear and uh, punishment onto others for really ridiculous things while trying to help other people have become very difficult things to do so we're kind of like sometimes it feels like we're in opposite land where we're trying to help others but actually helping others is bad and uh, not helping others and making money out of others is good Another good example in the movie was uh, when the scientist, he goes in and discovers their library. And when he opens up one of the books, he discovers that the book basically just crumbles in his hand. And so this is a very good example of modern day society where we're starting to dumb down everything. The reason why I think language is so important is that I believe that it provides people with a platform for communicating. If that platform has changed, it could affect the way people think and talk. A good example is the shortening uh, or mixing of different words. We're constantly trying to make things easier and easier for ourselves. The dictionary is constantly taking words out and putting new words in. And if you're like myself, 
it's I feel like it's important to keep the old words in um, because they provide a reference for where we've been. The counter argument to this is that the dictionary shouldn't dictate to people but be a mere reference of current society. There was a great article written about this uh, in The Guardian, which talks about it in great detail. Here are some of the words that have been added to the dictionary. Chillax, dough, as in dough from The Simpsons, ofs, whatevs. What do you think, Jodie, about all of this? Well, I completely agree with you that the words from the past do um, give a reference to where we've been before and also just something to hold on to so that we can relate to those past generations and um, kind of experience what they went through through words. Yeah. And so the time machine really puts that into perspective, I feel, because when the scientist looks through uh, their books and discovers that they haven't even been using the books at all, then it really um, shows how if we don't take care of our knowledge, uh, then we start to care less about giving information to our future generations. So people just end up growing up without learning about what's happened in the past so that they can influence their future. Yeah, I think it's a complete disregard for something so important that we should really hold on to. And in contrast to that, how you spoke of words like chillax and dough, those are abbreviations to me that seem to be more of an urban dictionary type thing, not something that should be in the overall dictionary that children take to school and actually use this as a learning textbook. The last part of my article is about acceptance. Examples that I have in the article are about humans going from one extreme to the other, where we're not finding balance between very difficult subjects and we're not trying to accept other people's views. Science versus religion is a good example of extremism. A lot of scientists from the medieval era to say like the 16-1700s were ridiculed uh, a lot by religion. Those focused purely on science equally retaliate against the notion of God and neglect to be open to receiving the other side of the debate. There is a brilliant film called Eye Origins where a scientist tries to prove there is no God by finding an evolutionary link to the uniqueness of each person's eye. It's a wonderful film and we won't spoil the ending. Inequality between racial groups is another good example of extremism where the courageous actions of Rosa Parks uh, ended segregation between white and black people. So in 1950s, people went to the extreme of having separate toilets for colored people and white people. And this clearly shows how far we go to make things different and difficult for ourselves because we don't want to try and find balance in our societies. We just want to go from one extreme to the next. It seems like we're in a constant state of conflict um, but Rosa Parks' actions started to bring an end to all of the suffering for all the black people in America, which was really good and very noble of her. But what was interesting was at the time... It's completely unthinkable to us now that these laws even existed. But what is even worse to think of is the mentality of the people behind those laws being so unjust and unaccepting 
that they willingly force barriers and suffering on each other. So the reason why I'm talking about acceptance is about trying to find balance in everything that you do. It's important to give people the space and time to to talk about their different ideas, their different opinions and viewpoints. By doing this, we're striving ever more to try and find that balance that we're lacking at the minute. People are too ready to accept the social conditioning of our governments and upbringing that manipulate us into being content and accepting of things that are far beyond acceptable. Standing up for a more just society that accepts others for all of the differences and qualities that we possess is what made this message from Rosa Parks so relatable and widespread that history was changed forever. From a society that condemned others for their skin colour to one that rewarded Parks for her bravery and stance on equality is an inspirational step in the right direction to a just and peaceful society. So the reason why I ended the article with acceptance was because uh, all of the things that we discussed were about humans going from one extreme to the other. And it was really important for us to try as a society to find the middle ground in some of the things that we do in life. We've talked about a lot of strong and difficult topics. We hope we haven't offended anyone at all. Uh, What we wanted to do is raise awareness more than anything. Uh, But we hope you've enjoyed our first podcast. Uh, This is goodbye from me, Hal.